The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Joe Prince Wright, the lead writer and editor over at NBC Sports' Pro Soccer Talk. And this is a pretty momentous occasion. This is the first ever episode of In The Mix Zone with JPW as we bring you behind-the-scene access at Premier League stadiums of talking to players, getting their reaction about the game and kind of filling you in on what you don't see uh, really anywhere else is that in the depths of the Premier League stadiums, there's a lot going on after these games in the tunnel areas, pitch side in the dugouts. We get to speak to a lot of the players. It's what you'll see popping up on uh, TV stations, on radio shows and newspapers all over the world. Stuff that gets said in the mix zone is pretty incredible. And this is an opportunity here to share some of the audio with you of what we're hearing, who we're speaking to, and trying to wrap it all up for you. So uh, the first episode focuses on what I've been up to over the last week in match week 26. I was at uh, Arsenal against Newcastle at the Emirates and Chelsea against Man United at Stamford Bridge. And also popped up to the Etihad Stadium to watch Man City against West Ham United. And of course, the big storyline around that game is this was the first game since Man City had been banned by UEFA for two seasons from European competition for what they call as serious breaches of their financial fair play rules. So listen out to Pep Guardiola's comments. We have audio of it here as he went in depth and his love for Man City said he's going to stick around. And he really did give us a very detailed answer when talking for the first time about the European ban for Man City. So fascinating stuff as we uh, had a really, really busy week over here in England. So here's the story of the three Premier League games we're at this week, all very eventful, all for very different reasons. So hope you enjoy listening to the players and the managers and what they had to say in and around the mix zone in these famous Premier League stadiums. Right, only one place to start, isn't it? Stamford Bridge, I was there on a chilly West London evening as Chelsea lost 2-0 at home to Man United. A big six-pointer in that battle for a top-four finish. So much drama around this game, wasn't it? Where do we start with this on VAR drama? Of course, most of that drama centred around Harry Maguire, who should have been sent off in the first half. Uh, he was pushed off the pitch by Michy Batshuayi, as I'm sure you've seen by now. Uh, kicked out, uh, got him in the never region, shall we say, uh, to put it kindly. Uh, and then VAR had a look, said it wasn't violent conduct. He stayed on the pitch, ended up scoring uh, to, of course, rub further salt into those Chelsea wounds. The home fans weren't happy. Lampard wasn't happy. Maguire knew he got away one but Man United certainly made the most of it and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer you know kind of shrugged his shoulders it happens those decisions though under VAR a lot of people saying uh, they should have been corrected and Maguire should have been sent off uh, and of course a big win for United away from home against another top six rival once again and for Chelsea just four wins now in 14 Premier League games for Frank Lampard's side it's one reveling quite quickly and they had this massive game at home against Tottenham, their London rivals this weekend. Chelsea sitting fourth on 41 points. Tottenham just one point back. And now Sheffield United two points back of them. And Man United, after that big win at Stamford Bridge, are three points back. But there's no doubt in Man United rode their luck in this one. Uh, after the game in the mix zone, 
Both sets of players didn't really want to stop, which was quite understandable given the controversial nature of this one. Chelsea's players are probably in fear of being fined or banned for saying something about VAR because there's no doubt the decisions went against them. And for Man United, their players, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, had a quick chat with them, but they were pretty sheepish as they walked out through and just wanted to get out of Stamford Bridge with the three points as quick as possible and back to Manchester. So one stop and chat with the media, that was Cesar Azpilicueta who discussed the VAR decisions. Uh, and of course, he was in the thick of it. His foul on Brandon Williams was given by VAR. That meant that Kurt Zuma's goal in the second half didn't stand. That was a pivotal moment of the game. And here's what Azpilicueta has to say about Chelsea's defeat and the all-important VAR decisions. This VAR, what disappoints me is that uh, the big decisions, uh, they are taken by, by a referee in, in a monitor. But I think... And I've said uh, this 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 thing a lot of times that uh, that the refs should go to the monitor to to take decisions because in the in the goal by Zuma of course uh, I have to push uh, Williams but uh, Fred pushed me so I cannot do anything else and they ha they have four referees on the pitch they didn't see anything and uh, you know when when you see that decision is taken by him. I think at least to go to the monitor it takes 30 seconds to to make the right decision and and I think the the, the referee on the pitch he has to be the the one that uh, that uh, takes the, the the decision. And my intention when I run through the front post is not to to push uh, Williams and to try to uh, to take him out of the ball because the ball goes goes over our head and and I don't say that uh, the, the push from Fred is is a penalty but uh, obviously it's a consequence my push from from his push and at, at the end when you have four referees that they see the space of the game that they have to take the decisions and then they don't they don't see they don't see anything I'm not saying that the VR referee don't tell him to go to the screen to see because it might be a foul and then he makes the decision but what disappoints me is that uh, that we are not using the system in the right way, in the right way. There you go, Chelsea captain Cesar Azpilicueta clearly not happy with VAR and the decisions that went against his team against Man United. But his old teammate at Chelsea, Nemanja Matic, he took a slightly more, shall we say, philosophical view of those decisions. And he was pretty happy that Chelsea didn't get the goals, VAR chalked him out, and the United grabbed another massive three points against one of their top four rivals. Here's Matic speaking afterwards, and the Serbian is very softly spoken in the mix zone, so you might want to turn up uh, your volume right now. Yeah, uh, they scored some, but VAR uh, said that was, uh, was offside, so I'm happy. I'm happy that in the end, they, they didn't score, so yeah, let's continue like this. Uh, I hope that we will, this win will give us more confidence for the, for the future. Players from both teams were also asked about their top four hopes. Of course, Chelsea fading fast, just ahead of United and a bunch of others now sitting in fourth place. And for Man United, well, their players are looking to the future. They see the likes of Igalo coming in, Bruno Fernandes getting his first assist. And all of a sudden, these two teams are heading in very different directions in the season. Let's hear what they both had to say about their top four hopes between now and the end of the Premier League season. Our target is to, to finish in top four, so we will give our best. We know it's going to be hard. There is many teams that fight for that four, four spot. But I'm confident, I'm confident that we can, we can make it. Oh, we are still fourth, so we are still in a good position. But we need to wake up because 
they're coming from from behind and we have the next game against Tottenham so we need to wake up to to play our game like we played in the beginning of the season and to change some things obviously yeah it's difficult but we were in this position already so it's it's football we need to to, to train hard every day to prepare our games better and to try to avoid our mistakes because we are doing too many mistakes in in this kind of matches you you got punished so we we have a good week ahead of us to to prepare Tottenham and to play a good match that last player speaking there was Mateo Kovacic from Chelsea, one of the standout players for the Blues alongside Reese James, I would say. But going forward, very disappointing for Chelsea once again. Mishi Batshuayi missed a bunch of chances. Tammy Abraham's out injured. hudson Adoy's out injured. Christian Pulisic is out injured. So Frank Lampard is kind of hamstrung there uh, without a lot of his star attackers. Willian and Pedro just aren't doing it at the moment. Their long-term futures at Chelsea for both of them look very uncertain. Looks like both of them may leave in the summer. Uh, but one man that did come in, he scored. Yes, he got chalked off of a VAR because half his foot was offside. That was Olivier Giroud. And the Frenchman, in his first appearance for two months for Chelsea after it looked like he would leave in January, he remained at Stamford Bridge due to a few injuries and the Blues not getting the offer they wanted for him. But he said he's going to knuckle down and work hard. And here he is speaking about that goal, how he feels to be back, and then, of course, what Chelsea have to do against Tottenham to rejuvenate and reignite their top four battle. Uh, if we look at the VAR decisions, obviously, uh, I think it's a bit harsh. First, uh, uh, Zuma's goal, um, I, I mean, you, you can see uh, that kind of duel, you know, uh, all day long uh, in the games uh, now. So I think Fred push uh, Aspi. And after he just uh, put his uh, his hand on the back of the the other defender, it's very harsh. Uh, mine, obviously, uh, after two months not playing, you know, I felt uh, very good on the pitch uh, with uh, a lot of uh, envy, you know, determination. I score a, a nice goal on a nice cross, and I just try to stay behind. Uh, uh, the defender Maguire and that's a uh, half foot you know so very frustrating because uh, could have changed the game but obviously you know we uh, we made two mistakes uh, on two goals uh, I think we, we need to improve on that but yeah um, it's frustrating we just need to improve on small details um, that's uh, where you can win or lose uh, big games. So now we we need to, to step up, you know, and improve on that kind of small uh, details. You know, small margins uh, is huge uh, in uh, in high level. So yeah, uh, it's very tough tonight. We need to. Uh, we need to think about it and uh, obviously uh, try to play it because um, it's another big game uh, on Saturday. Wrapping up the thoughts on this game then, obviously Frank Lampard and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer were floating in and around the mix zone. In and out of their press conferences, Lampard was not happy at all the VR decisions. Of course, injuries are now piling up. And it was almost a case of him shrugging his shoulders a little bit. What can I do? These decisions are going against us. Uh, we're hitting the post getting injuries to Kante, Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi, Abraham. 
Uh, and Christensen went off with a broken nose as well. That was told to us uh, in the mix zone too. So Lampard, luck isn't on his side or Chelsea's side at the moment. Uh, and of course, a massive game coming up against Tottenham. And to recap the table, Chelsea sit in fourth place on 41 points. Tottenham in fifth on 40. And Man United now after that big win at Stamford Bridge are in seventh place on 38. Then Wolves, Everton, Sheffield United, they're all in the mix as well. And of course, fifth place could be uh, a Champions League spot given Man City's European ban currently. For Solskjaer, he's pretty happy and smiling as he walked through the mix zone and walked onto the team bus to lead his players back to Manchester with, with a win. Harry Maguire, of course, as we said, very lucky to stay on the pitch. He uh, kicked out at Mishibat Shawai in the first half. That wasn't given a red card. VAR decided uh, that it wasn't violent conduct. Maguire said something to uh, the television cameras afterwards that he was just trying to stop Batshuayi from falling over, so he's doing him a bit of a favour. Not sure about that excuse there, Harry, uh, but end of the day, towering header. He made the most of it, stayed on the pitch. Man United were lucky. Chelsea were not, and that was a story of an absolutely enthralling game at Stamford Bridge. Maybe it wasn't the best quality-wise in terms of the Premier League battles we've seen between these twos, but my word, that had so much drama, and Chelsea's fans were uh, upset with VAR, understandably so, uh, and Man United were very happy to once again beat another top four team. So where does this leave these teams? They're both in the top four mix. Chelsea is slumping a little bit with their poor run of form. Man United are just kind of plugging away there, Got Pogba and, of course, Rashford to come back from injury. Uh, so, yeah, they were definitely the happier team and happier set of players walking through the mix zone after the game. Pitch side at Stamford Bridge. But as I mentioned earlier, Chelsea's players uh, a little bit hesitant to stop because they uh, didn't want to get uh, caught out saying something they shouldn't do about VAR. And for Man United, their players wanted to get in and out as quick as possible because they knew they got away with one there. So what a game. And that recaps uh, what was said in and around the mix zone from both sets of players, from Chelsea and Manchester United. Okay, let's move on to the second game. And I was at the Emirates Stadium to watch Arsenal beat Newcastle 4-0. And the local journalists in the mix zone, well, they couldn't quite believe their luck because the journalists who have been covering Arsenal for the last few years, they really have been feeding off scraps. Not a lot of positives there. Not a lot of players want to stop. But so many did at the weekend as Arsenal perhaps kept their top four hopes alive. So all of a sudden, there's some optimism in the air at Arsenal as Mikel Arteta has got them back to basics and done a really good job of turning things around so far. So after the game, let's spoke to Bakayo Sacco, just 18 years old, and he discussed his contract situation, playing at left-back, because of course he is a winger, he's more at home there, but he's done a great job with injuries piling up in that position for Arsenal. He had a wonderful assist, didn't he, for Pepe's goal. A little nutmeg, shimmy and a cross, bamboozled the Newcastle defence. And I asked Saka about that assist in particular, and if Arsenal are now confident out of a really favourable run of games, at least on paper, which could reignite their top four hopes. And just a note here, Saka is very softly spoken. It was quite loud and hectic in the mix zone at the Emirates Stadium after the game. So you might want to turn your volume up just a few cranks to hear what he has to say. The assist with the nutmeg, I mean, was that a special moment for you and looking up in the box and seeing those kind of players to pick out? Uh, must be incredible for you to first pull that off and then look up and see you've got players of that quality. To, yeah, to I was happy to... Um, to, for the skill to come off and I was happy and then I just had to keep my composure and finding the right players who could try and score and not getting, getting too carried away with the skills. A lot of goals in the second half as well. Do you think the momentum now going into a, a quite a pivotal period of the season with fifth place in reach and a lot of winnable games coming up, is that is there a lot of confidence in this team now? Um, yeah, I feel like this will really 
give us that push that we need. I feel like it will give us a lot of confidence because it shows that we can do it, we can score goals, you know, we just need to keep um, shut up at the back and we can score goals. So if we, as long as we continue to play like this, we'll win games. So there you go, that's Bukayo Saka, they're talking to us in the mix zone after the game, the Emirates saying they keep playing like this, Arsenal are going to keep winning games and this game against Newcastle, well, one of the main talking points really was that Newcastle were threatening on the counter-attack, especially in the first half, but as soon as Arsenal got going in the second half, played with a different intensity, Arteta uh, must have said something very good indeed at half-time to spark them into life, but one of the main talking points from an individual player point of view was the return to the starting line of Danny Ceballos. Uh, Mikel Arteta said he was the best player on the pitch. He was so smooth in possession and a bit of a deeper role for the man on loan from Real Madrid. And there has been some talk of unrest between Arteta and Matteo Granduzzi. He wasn't even in the squad for Arsenal against Newcastle on Sunday. So really interesting to see how that plays out. But is, is Ceballos the answer in central midfield to link everything together? He does things a little bit quicker, can see that pass. He was finding Meza Ozil a lot in the final third. And of course, he's playing for a lot now, isn't he? He's playing for a permanent deal at Arsenal, as we said. His loan from Real Madrid ends at the end of the season. And he's also playing for a place in Spain's Euro 2020 squad. So a lot of carrots dangling there for Ceballos. And after the game, I asked David Luiz, who was obviously playing just behind him, how important his performance was in that game because Arsenal's players, manager and the fans were lauding Sabas to give him a standing ovation off the pitch when he was sub late in the game, made a big difference, and this could be a big moment for the Spaniard and his possible long-term career in the Premier League. So here's what David Luiz, one of the nicest blokes you could ever meet in football, had to say when I asked him about Danny Sabayas' performance. David, can I ask you about Danny Ceballos as well in that midfield role, slightly deeper? What do you think he brought today? He got a standing ovation when he he's came He's a off? great player. He's a, he's a player where... He was improving uh, and working very well every single day. Uh, I think this kind of mentality what we need for the team. He started very well when he came. He got an injury. He went, he came back. He lost his position. He lost a bit of game. He was trying to improve his game. And when the moment he has the opportunity, he shows that he has a great play like he did today. And I think this is the kind of mentality what we need in the team. The team, big teams to win titles is don't depend just about 11 players. You need more players uh, always ready to, to, to help. And I think uh, Danny shows that today. Even the boys came in in the game, they showed the right mentality. I think we are improving because of that. Uh, improving because we are understanding what we need to be a big team. So those are the thoughts of David Luiz. As I said, one of the nicest blokes in the game, fluent in so many languages. Uh, and it was quite funny, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang walked past him, said something in French, they had a chuckle, uh, and then Aubameyang, being the veteran that he is, glided past the media, didn't really want to stop for a chat. Uh, so yeah, Louise always is up to speak to the media, and he's been pretty key in this defensive improvement. He's kind of like Marmite, we say in England, you either love him or you hate him. He divides opinion, but Arsenal defensively in their last six games in the Premier League conceded just four times, a couple of clean sheets on the spin now, uh, but at the other end of the pitch, that's really why there was so much positivity uh, in the Emirates Stadium in the mix zone in the tunnel area. You saw Edu, the new sporting director, coming around saying hello with his red and white Arsenal scarf on. 
Uh, saw our very own Lee Dixon around as well in the chat with him. And everyone was really happy with that second half performance because Arsenal's attacking unit, it just clicked through the gears. Obviously, goals for Aubameyang, uh, Nicola Pepe, Meza Ozil, Lacazette, all the stars stood tall. And as we said earlier, Sacco was brilliant. So was Tobias in midfield. And everything just seemed to click because Arteta has brought that defensive stability in. But going forward, they looked a little bit lackluster, especially in the first half of this game. But as a new manager, still needs time to settle in his ideas and tactics. But when it clicks for Arsenal, we all know they have the attacking players to hurt other teams. So we also spoke with Lacazette as he jumped off the bench late on, scored his first goal. Some wonderful scenes there as he celebrated wildly uh, with his teammates and the fans. And that was his first goal in 10 games, would you believe it? So first of all, this is Lacazette's reaction to being asked how he felt after being back on the score sheet for the Gunners. Really, really happy because uh, I waited this moment, this moment for a long time. And uh, as well, um, touch because all my teammates react when I score. That means a lot for me and that means a lot for the the spirit we have in the team. And as Lacazette mentioned, the spirit there. You had to say, Arsenal's players were delighted to see Nicola Pepe have two assists and grab a goal of his own. He has so much potential. He's still so young. Of course, that huge price tag is weighing heavy on him so far in his Arsenal career. But Lacazette, he told us that he's been urging patience from everyone. Uh, and some are actually comparing Pepe's slow start to life at Arsenal to the slow start of Thierry Henry. I mean, my goodness, that might be taking it a little bit too far, but Pepe, once he's got going in a couple of the Europa League games and against Newcastle at the weekend, he was superb. And here is what Lacazette has to say about Nicola Pepe. I used to say we need to be patient with him. He's still young, he came from another league, he's always different. Uh, Premier League is the hardest league, I think, in the world. So you have to be, to be nice with new players like him. Is someone who needs confidence, uh, confidence, and when you give him confidence, it's, it's better. So, just time to understand how the league is, is and now we can see a real good Nicola Pepe. Now, it might just be me, but I could listen to Alexandra Lacazette read the ingredients off the back of a can of baked beans pretty much all day long. Uh, wonderful to speak to him. Of course, very uh, confident that Nicola Pepe can turn his career around at Arsenal. Uh, and of course, Lacazette was just delighted uh, to get on the score sheet. And it really did sum up the mood at Arsenal that he scored. Everyone was so happy. A great day for the Gunners. On the flip side of things, have to mention Newcastle. They started well. Almiron and St. Maximin were really good in attack, but never had that focal point. So often they run clear, speaking to some of the staff at Newcastle after the game. And uh, they thought they played really well. Uh, of course, in the tunnel area, uh, a lot of the players looked disappointed, but a lot of positives there for Newcastle the take because they push Arsenal all the way in the first half and as I said Almiron and St. Maximin their pace they're so quick that they were getting 20-30 yards uh, from goal looking up and nobody else in a black and white shirt was near them so that's a big problem of course that they have to sort out and try and get on the same page but it's going to get there they're having a decent season under Steve Bruce aren't they sitting comfortably in mid-table but not a great day in the end for Newcastle still having a good season but Arsenal were the deserved winners and there was a lot of optimism in the air in the mix zone deep underneath the Emirates Stadium 
Okay, last but certainly not least, I was at Man City West Ham on Wednesday, the rearranged game after Storm Chiera. And of course, all the talk around this one was Man City's European ban. They've been banned by UEFA for two seasons of the European competition. Uh, they are going to try and appeal that. Their CEO, Ferian Soriano, had come out swinging ahead of this game, saying that all of those allegations were completely false. We spoke to Pep Guardiola in the press conference room afterwards. None of the Man City players are willing to talk about uh, the situation with the media in the mix zone area, which is understandable given that the CEO and the manager came out and gave some very detailed responses about the allegations, the next step, and what happens now. Uh, so here we've got to pass things over to Pep Guardiola. Here's the audio from his press conference with us uh, in the journalist area of Man City's Etihad Stadium. And I have to say, before we uh, play Pep's audio, it was a very strange experience being at the Etihad Stadium. A lot of anti-UEFA chanted, anti-UEFA banners from Man City fans. They're not happy at all with the way they've been treated. They seem very confident they're going to get this ban overturned. And that kind of filters down from the top of the club, the manager, uh, and the players did their job on the pitch again. They seem focused and fired up, but some very interesting times at Man City. And here's what their manager, Pep Guardiola, had to say as he did confirm that he's going to stay at Man City next season, no matter what, until the end of his contract. And he said his players are all in and they've made a deal, at least until the end of the season, to focus on football. So here's what Pep had to say when asked about Man City's European ban by UEFA. Well, it's happened what's happened, so it's not finished, it's not over. So, as you know, today the CEO of Alain Soriano made a statement and the club is going to appeal. Uh, I spoke a little bit about the situation. I am confident that at the end it would deserve for our what we have done on the pitch next season playing Europe. Uh, I have confidence in the club 100%. I said before, I said right now, and I'm pretty sure we're going to defend our position. So when someone believes he's right, he has to fight until the end, and all the, no matter what. And that is, I think, the club is going to do. And as a manager of these players, what we can do the last three months before the end of the season is we arrive in a deal to fight everyone for the club because. Uh, you know, there's inc incredible thing to fight for our people who likes, who support this club until the end, and we're going to do it. So, so life sometimes situation happen. It's just how you approach it, how you face it, and and I think as a club, as a team, we're going to do it. Uh, if, if you can't get this overturned, if you if you have if you can't get this overturned, and, and you have to go two years, possibly one year. No Champions League. How, how damaging is that for a club with City's ambitions? Well, of course, it would not be easy, but uh, nobody said that. So still, we are in... It's a sensitive issue to talk about the legal action because I am. I don't know it. I'm not professional in that. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, what we can do is win the games. So we have to wait. And after when the sentence is OK, it's... And after we are going to talk about uh, the situations, but I spoke with the club, with my chairman and and and, and my CEO, and and I follow them. So I believe in them. So and we're going to do it. Okay. How was the mood in the first team squad been since the announcement? I think the way we played showed that we are there. So our game is always there. We play incredible well against United, even lose. We play more than well against Tottenham, and we lose. So today was quite similar. We scored uh, 
two goals, we concede few. We create, an, again, clear, clear chances. And I'm satisfied for many, many reasons, how aggressive we are, the transitions, and, and the way we defend in the box. And uh, after winter break, after 12 days, after what happened the last days, always uh, how we're going to react. But the team, the team is incredible. So the team is really good. So in terms of the bad moments, always our bad games or our bad results, always our performance are good. So and that is a make me so happy. Um, the club has said that it has irrefutable evidence that the allegations are wrong. Have you, at any stage, asked to know what that evidence is, or is your no? I, I'm not going. It's, it's so sensitive legally. I think is another right person to talk about that. So I, I cannot talk about. Uh, I. I know a little bit the reason why, but I cannot touch more, I'm sorry, so I'm not a lawyer. So always I can say I support the club 100% and, and I'm going to be there. Sorry? You don't ask to see that evidence or do you trust the, the director? I trust what they told me, so, and, and, and that is what I can say. So, but there are two sides, one accused the club and the club say that is not true and the justice give us the as a club so another opportunity to appeal to defend our position and that is going to do man city boss pep guardiola there with his thoughts very detailed ones very in-depth very serious on the allegations from uefa that man city have committed what they call very serious breaches of their financial fair play rules so i'm sure we're going to hear plenty more from pep on this in the days weeks and months to come as he said, City are appealing to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to try and get this uh, ruling from UEFA overturned. We obviously haven't heard the last from this, uh, but I wanted to add this into the Mix Zone uh, podcast here because I think it, it was an incredible way to uh, end this week. Again, we've had uh, three Premier League games I've been at up and down the country. Yes, this wasn't players talking, but from deep within the depths of the Etihad Stadium, Pep Guardiola pretty much pouring his heart out, saying he's dedicated to City, he's going to stay. He's asked his players to do the same. They're all in on this journey together. And it really sums up the mood of defiance uh, and a little bit of anger as well, Man City, that have been treated by UEFA in this way. So Pep Guardiola's thoughts, very interesting, and it's always intriguing to sit down with the Spanish coach. So thank you for listening to In The Mix Zone with JPW. I've told you the story there of what players and managers were reacting to after that big win for Man United at Chelsea and then that big second half performance and victory for Arsenal against Newcastle United. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed us lifting the veil and telling you a little bit about what I get up to over here at Premier League stadiums after the game in the uh, dark underbellies of these wonderful, magnificent stadiums you see on your TV set. So again, I'm Joe Prince-Wright, the lead writer and editor over at Pro Soccer Talk on NBCSports.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you from another Mix Zone very soon indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.